sure? This most foundational question in the human race, we, we all come to this point where we, where we ask, why? Why am I here? Why am I here now on this earth? Why do I exist? Be assured, everyone, it's because God made you and he placed you here for his purposes, for his love. And there's a lot to learn about that. So let's get going. Pull out your sermon notes if you haven't yet. And if you need sermon notes, I think they're still available. Mark, do you have any extras? I don't know. If anybody needs a bulletin with sermon notes, you can raise your hand and they'll, they'll get them for you right up here up front. I just make a, uh, a point about that because there's a lot on the sermon notes. They help you follow along, especially with this while we're in this fall series. Uh, all this information is important because we're building a picture of ourselves, very detailed, and we're going to learn a lot from it uh, over the course of this series. So we're going to pick up where we left off here. Uh, let's begin with a little review. We've drawn out over the last five weeks from Scripture how every believer in Jesus is given both a mission and a ministry. We're all, if you're a believer in Jesus, on Jesus' mission in your own unique way. And you're given a ministry to build up his church and to do the things that he has prepared. We, we learn from Ephesians chapter 2 that we are God's workmanship created. We are his masterpiece and we're created to do specific things that he created us to accomplish. And he gave us these things in eternity, in eternity past. So you are a living fulfillment of his unfolding plan in the world and we learned that he created and wired and calls us all differently, all uniquely. We've been focusing the last two messages and finishing today on five primary areas that make our shape, our design. And you will understand the purpose for which you were created when you understand how God shaped you. Okay, so we're still reviewing. This is an acronym, SHAPE. It has five parts. This is how God designed you. So far, we have looked at the first three, and as we see the unfolding design of our lives, um, the ultimate goal is that we become better worshipers of God, followers of Christ, and that we can find our sweet spot in, in what we do in life for him, in the way we serve him. And this is a beautiful thing to find, that sweet spot. What that is, we use the baseball bat or a golf club or a tennis racket or kicking a soccer ball. You know when you hit that sweet spot, it makes maximum impact. And that's what we want for our lives. And that's God's design. That's his calling. There's a lot of things that get in the way, and we're trying to, to break through those uh, this fall. So already we've seen the first three. The S is unwrapping your spiritual gifts. H is listening to your heartbeat. What do you love? What are you passionate about? What breaks your heart? Know that God has put those interests in you. And then A is applying your abilities. We all have God-given strengths, lots of them, talents, skills of all kinds, some we know about and we can work on developing, some that you'll discover as you go on in life. Today is the P and the E and we are going to look at what God says about our personalities and our experiences. So get ready. Let's go ahead and get started. Our journey of learning about God and how he has lovingly and carefully shaped us to fulfill his will in our lives must include our personality, plugging in our personality. 
We're going to talk about how to plug in your personality into this whole conversation as we see God's will for our lives. So if we pursue areas that God has not wired us for, what's going to happen? Well, we're going to feel uncomfortable, or we're going to not be very productive, uh, or people aren't going to be comfortable with our presence in that activity. It will take extra effort, and we still might, might never do a good job. You see, God wired you and me with a unique personality, and you need to be aware of that. So if you don't know anything about the variety of personalities, uh, let me just give you some examples. Uh, Tim LaHaye wrote back decades ago now four personality types that are very well known, and he gives us biblical examples of them. They are the sanguines. Some of you are sanguines. These are the optimistic, restless lovers of life. And that's like the Apostle Peter. Uh, then some are cholerics. These are strong-willed, practical go-getters, uh, like the Apostle Paul. And then also are the melancholies. These are the sensitive, perfectionist, faithful friends, like Jeremiah or Solomon or the Apostle John. And then the phlegmatics. These are the calm and patient, sometimes slow and stubborn uh, among us. And these are like Abraham was a great biblical example of those. So these four and every mix and every part of the spectrum of them uh, are all of us. We're all included in these. And God uses all kinds. Gary Smalley is another uh, author, creator, uh, who wrote a personality test using animal names, the lion, otter, golden retriever, and beaver. And this is the test that's in our study guides that we'll be doing in our small groups or in your own personal time. You're going to find out what animal you are. That'll be fun. Or what hybrid of animal? That could be... All right, anyway. <laughs> I won't go there. Uh, it's a simple test, and, it, and it's very enlightening and encouraging to know this about each other in your groups or in your families. Then there's the Myers-Briggs test, the MBTI, and that's a much more detailed one. This has been kind of the most popular over the last few decades, and it's uh, free now. That's available online, and it's also in your study guides. That's an optional uh, an optional test. You don't have to do that in your small group. The, the animal one is much easier. But if you want to get more detailed, the Myers-Briggs test and all the results and how to process your type is all in the study guide uh, so you can become familiar. And if, as you become familiar with the Myers-Briggs, uh, I am an ESTJ, in case you're curious. Now you know a little bit more about me. An ESTJ. Well, that's my personality. Let's now consider the value of understanding yourself and others in this area. There is great value in this, in understanding yourself. Here's some, here's some practical reasons. Why is it so important and so helpful? First, number one on your notes, here are some statistics that demonstrate the value of, of knowing about yourself and other people. Number one, 15% of the reason that you get a job, keep a job, and move ahead in that job is determined by your technical skills and knowledge. Regardless of your profession, 15% is your technical skills. The other 85% has to do with your people skills and people knowledge. And this is a very highly accredited study that showed this. So 85% of why you get a job, keep a job, and move ahead in your job has not to do as much with your technical skills, but with your people skills and people knowledge. Second, your personality or temperament and these words are synonymous, and so I want to make sure we all understand that 
Temperament is what we're talking about here, too. What is that? It's a description of how you relate to other people and how you respond to opportunities. For example, if you are energized by being around people, then there's a high probability that God has wired you to be a, an extrovert if you're energized by being around people. However, if you're energized by being alone and having solitude and withdraw, and, and that's how you recharge, then God has probably wired you to be an introvert. And many of us are aware of, of where we are. Some are extreme extroverts and extreme introverts and everywhere else in between. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. It's just how God made you. Personally, I'm a bit more of an extrovert than an introvert, just a little bit. And I'm married to Sarah, a wife who is extremely introverted. And so she recharges when she can get alone. The problem is she can never get alone. We got a bunch of kids in the house. And so but we're very aware of that. And we like to help mommy have her time uh, to be alone. And we fight for that for her for, for those opportunities. Maybe not enough. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Okay. So God makes this all different. There's a great illustration in Scripture in Luke chapter 10. It's a familiar story. Remember when Jesus went to the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, and how different these sisters were, Mary and Martha. And, and they responded completely differently to the same event, Jesus visiting their home. Let's look at Luke 10, verse 40. Just listen to this. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Okay, so we have Martha, who's busy serving, busy serving. And Mary, she was being relational. She just wanted to be with Jesus. Remember that? Which one is better? Which one is right? Well, two rabbis were talking about this one time. One rabbi said to the other, which personality is better, Mary or Martha? The other answered, well, I suppose you want Martha before dinner and Mary after. <laughs> All right. I just had to throw that in. I saw that this week. Rabbis. Okay. Good humor. Uh, another example. This is a, a fun one, too, that I think we can relate to. We talked about shape, the spiritual gifts, and your heart for things. Suppose two people had the same gift of evangelism, and the same heart to see people come to Christ. Okay? So they know what kind of ministry they need to be involved in. But let's say they have a different personality. One is highly relational. And so they're going to take that gift of evangelism and that heart to, say, to see people come to Christ, and they're going to win people to Christ through relationships. That's great. The other person is all task-oriented, that driven, non-relational person by, by their per, that impatient choleric, let's say, that says, there's no time for relationships. People are dying and going to hell. I need to preach on the, on the corner. It's called confrontational evangelism. And personally, I have met the confrontational evangelists, and I love their spirit. And you know what? One isn't right or wrong. This is really helpful information. This is how God wired you, and he needs all of us. He uses all of us to contribute to his mission or to build up his church. So I hope you understand that we are wired differently. There's value in knowing ourselves so we can know how we proceed in the things that God has called us to do. So let me ask you, do you have joy? Do you have joy in the way that you're serving Christ right now? I think if we took a survey, 
those who are serving Christ right now would be some kind of split. Yes, I have a lot of joy where I'm serving Christ right now, and this is great. That's You're in your sweet spot. There are others that just don't, and this could be why. Some simple changes, though, could make you go from, from being joyless to completely fulfilled and fruitful. So we're being mindful of that. Please take in, that into consideration as we're choosing where to serve God as we go into the future. And fellow church leaders, we need to make sure we take all this into consideration as we're training people and, and designing the teams uh, in, in and through the church, that we plug people in according to their personality. All right, so number three, once again, there is no right or wrong temperament for serving God. All kinds of personalities are needed. Plus, a church and a world where we're all the same would be a boring place, wouldn't it? Now, I had a, a friend of mine years ago who caught himself complaining about somebody else in the church. And he just kind of smiled and he said, Reg, why can't everybody be just like you and me? And of course, he was just joking. But he kind of caught himself. Don't complain about other people's wirings. They are how God made them, and we need everyone. Great variety. Some of us are extroverts. Some are introverts. Some are people-oriented. Some are task-oriented. Some love routine. Some love constant variety. Some operate by reason, and some operate by emotion. Amen? Amen. All right. There's all kinds of differences. Our job now as a church is to turn ourselves from a kaleidoscope, there's a picture of a kaleidoscope, and become instead a beautiful mosaic. See that? With each part individually different, but together bound in love and shared purpose, with the Bible as our authority, with Jesus as our head, we work together. And unity is fought for and people are plugged in right where they belong as God designed you. It's a cool picture, isn't it? Let's just stop and pray right now for God to, to bless community grace in this way. Lord, I, I just want to lift this up right now. We have so many differences which can be a greatest barrier or it can be our greatest strength. Lord, we want to choose to follow you, to humble ourselves, to give up our own agendas, to choose love and fight for unity. I pray that you'll make this kind of a beautiful picture that pours out into the world at Community Grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, number four, I've, on your notes, I've given some further suggestions for understanding your personality. If you want to take this a little bit further, outside of the time we have today, uh, there are some great resources for you, for your kids, uh, where you can take next steps. I'm not going to spend any more time on that right now, though, but those are some resources if you want to go further. Now, the picture of who God made us to be is becoming clearer. We are now four-fifths of the way through shape, which just leaves one more part. Experiences. The E, examining your experiences. Let me ask at the outset, what experiences of your life have made you the person you are today? Which ones? All of them. Absolutely all of them. So this, the E in shape, is the most fluid 
of the five components of your life. We all have so many different experiences in our life all, of all kinds, and so many of them are out of our control. So let's take a quick look at what the Bible says about your experiences, what God's part in them is, and how we respond to them. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 1, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me really served to advance the gospel. Cool, right? Paul wrote this from jail, where he was thrown unjustly. So he's sitting in a jail in Philippi writing this. Now people were saying his experiences were so bad, it's too bad, it's a tragedy. But he rejects that and explains that God is using that for God's good purposes. How cool is this? Right here. That any experience in your life that you don't like, and maybe your mind is thinking about those right now, any experience that you don't like, you could say this same thing about. God is using this for his good purposes. God calls us, his people, overcomers. This is the reason, that, this is part of the reason we are overcomers. In Christ, everything we don't like in, in our experiences, we can claim what Paul claimed here that in that, even though I don't like it, God is doing his good purposes through that. Amen? That is some power right there. In Romans, Paul writes this Romans 8 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this is a, a classic, well-known verse that's often misunderstood. Notice that God does not say all things are good. Okay, He does not say all things are good. A lot of things are bad, very bad. What it says is that God causes all things to work for the good of those who love him. God never wastes any experience. He's the redeemer, and he can redeem anything, and I mean anything that has ever happened to you in your life, the pain, the addiction, the, the abuse, the betrayal, the disappointments, the setbacks, all of them, he is the redeemer, and he can bring good out of all of them, and he will. He promises that he will. So your work in, in the last of the shape assessments is this. We're going to examine six kinds, six broad categories of experiences from your past on your personal profile. This is the assessment test in your book that does not have yellow pages. Remember, we're supposed to be transferring all of our results from the yellow pages to this personal profile and then answer some follow-up questions. And the goal is to have all this finished in the next couple weeks, and then there's instructions how to process all of this together. But in your experience, here's the animals here. We're going to do that. Uh, that. Below that is your experiences and on the back page. And as you follow the instructions, you're going to look back at all these different experiences that you've had in your life, and then you'll be able to see, Lord willing, a clearer picture of how God has been carrying you through and shaping you for this moment, for the rest of your life. So let's just go through real quick the six broad categories of experiences so I can just point out what the Bible says about them um, as you prepare to do the exercise, the, the assessment. The first one is family and relational experiences. 
Okay, this is massive. In counseling, we look back at our family background because it is such a huge impact on who you are today. So some of your families might have been very close and very healthy and supportive. And others of you might have been completely dysfunctional and broken and pain-filled. And maybe some mix of the two. That has affected who you are today. And this includes your friends as well. A complete lack of friends might be your experience or like too many friends. They could be good friends that build you up or they could be bad company that tears you down and that's why God says stay away from that. Shallow friendships or deep friendships, all kinds. Other relationships in your life, all of these influence who we are. There's a classic quote by Charlie Tremendous Jones. Have anybody ever read any of his books? An old motivational speaker. And he says, you will be the same person you are today, a year from now, except for the people you meet and the books you read. And I've meditated on that over the years. Like, wow, we'll be the same person next year that we are right now, except for the people we meet, your relationships, and the books you read. So read good books. God says a lot about family and relational experiences. Next is educational experiences. These are important. They, they have shaped a large part of who you are. Uh, for me, my educational experiences was a, was a mix of Christian school with a little bit of homeschool, with a little bit of public school. And I can tell you, those three experiences are drastically different. <laughs> I went through all three and drastically different. And I'm, I'm fascinated by all the potential experiences that you can have in your educational process all the way through. I mean, continuing education throughout all of your life. And these shape who you become. And so you have to evaluate, what are my educational experiences? What have I learned? What have I been trained in? Uh, what, what, what was the agenda of the school books? What's the personality of the teachers? How has it influenced me? What, what was right about what I learned? What was wrong about what I've learned? Uh, pray for some discernment there in your educational experiences. Next is your vocational experience. Work experiences has shaped who you are. So in your assessment, we're going to consider how you've grown from these, from all your work experiences, from your first jobs to your career, or maybe planning your career. Uh, all of these things, in, in thinking in Christian terms, are part of your vocation. It's neat to know that all Christians have the same vocation. It's to work to the glory of God. That's our vocation, whatever our job is. Let me explain that a little bit more. This is right from the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God gives a statement called the cultural mandate to all the human race who he made in his image. And this, So this is for all of us, for everybody. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion, dominion, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth, dominion, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then he says, be fruitful and multiply. So God gave the human race this, this early sense of vocation, this work. And as his image bearers, we share this work. It is stewarding all of God's creation, making the most of it, developing it all for his glory. So it doesn't matter what our jobs are, what our career path is, so long as we're working heartily unto the Lord, as Colossians says. That's what your vocation is. 
to work with that right attitude for the Lord. Any other motivation that we work for takes us away from God, and it leaves us empty. There's no other motivation better in our work than glorifying God in it. Sadly, the average Christian does not see their work from Monday through Saturday as such an important, vital part of our vocation, our life. But it is. So you go to your jobs or your school or your development or your shape, your career, all to bring glory to God in it, developing his creation. I love how one pastor said it. Whatever we do, wherever we go, here's what we do. Here's what we're shooting for is to press the king, the rights. Okay, I don't want to mess this up. We do it to press the rights of King Jesus into every sphere. I mean, I, who, who comes up with wording like that, right? I don't. Let me say that again. Everywhere we go, think about where you're going tomorrow, out into the world in your normal lives. You're going to press the rights of King Jesus into every sphere of the world. That is cool. That's our vocation. Brian and Jen Stichter, uh, members of our church who are owners, operators of the bowling alley, uh, sent me an email a few weeks ago that I've been looking forward to this moment to use. And I did get permission from Jen to read this to you. This is an email exchange that we had. After uh, telling me a specific story about some things that happened at the bowling alley that she had, re had requested prayer for in following up with, with how it went, she writes this. The bowling alley is such a wide open space for meeting people where they are in life. We spend much time there. My time is managing and overseeing, but Brian gets opportunities to sit and talk with the men and fathers that come in. I try to spend my time with many of the women and youth, kids. We always are welcoming prayers for our ministry there. We have a huge unsaved and searching population in Kosciuszko County, and many of them find their way into the bowling alley. I was just talking with someone at church last Sunday. He said that I was so quiet and reserved, and Brian was, Brian was so outgoing in our class, but here's why. I had just spent all Saturday with about 35 kids and their parents for two hours, and then turned around and spent hours more with about 12 families of another set of people. They all wanted and needed kindness, time, and hu human interaction. Thanks for reaching out and reminding us that those Communication cards are read and prayed over, and they are, and we'd love, our prayer team would love to pray for all the things that are going on in your life if you turn those in. Brian and I are excited for what God has, has for our church and, and community. You are prayed for daily, Jen and Brian. And I just want to say that's exemplary. Now, as business owners, could they say, well, you know, we don't want to you know, talk about Jesus because that might cause people not to come to our... Yes, they could say that, but this is our vocation to press the rights of King Jesus into every sphere. So your work experiences. I just wanted to spend a little bit more time there so we know our work glorifies God if we do it that way. It is part of God's purpose for you. It has shaped you, and that's what we need to be aware of. Rejoice in this as you examine uh, your experiences in your workplace, even the bad ones, maybe especially the bad ones. All right, next, just to finish this up, we're going to trace your spiritual experiences. This is great. We should all be ready to share our testimony anytime. And so this is a great opportunity to do that. Reflect on 
And I would love to hear this about all of you. When did you first hear about Jesus? That's a fascinating conversation to have. I love, I love that's what small groups are for, actually, to, to share these kind of things. Where did you first start hearing about Jesus? How did you first start processing that? When did you first actually open the Bible and start looking for yourselves? When did you first start maybe talking to God? Saying, God, if you're real or there, I'd like to know you or know more about you. When was it that you trusted Jesus and gave him your life and he saved you from your sin? How has it been since then? What have you done to grow? What what are some of the classes you've taken or camps you've gone to or church groups you've been a part of or sermons that you remember or worship experiences? When you started discerning truth and heresy and had that discerning mind, you know, those are some of the things we want to we trace, and that has shaped you right where you are today. Next is your ministry experiences. Where and how have you served Christ already? That's going to create uh, who you are today, and you have learned from things that you succeeded in, things that you failed at. Um, in the church, in the walls of this building, or in homes, or out in the neighborhood, hospitals, wherever that may be? What, what capacities have you excelled in? What have you learned about yourself? And then your painful experiences. And I want to, I think this last category, painful experiences, is one of the most powerful in our shape. Our painful experiences. Because in those, God so intentionally meets us there. God so intentionally shows, reveals himself, who he is, his love and his care. He reveals his strength, how he answers his promises. And he reveals us how, to us how he will use us through our painful experiences. And so that's why this is our whole next point. Point two, in your E, your experiences, know that your greatest ministry will most likely come out of your greatest pain. Think about that for a minute. Jesus is the Redeemer. Here's what the Bible says God never wastes a hurt. This is a broken world. God never wastes a hurt. Believe that. Now let's see what he says. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, part of what Kevin read earlier. One of the most important verses in the Bible when we are facing pain. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us all in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's great purpose in the painful experiences. One author says, the storm that was sent to break you is the storm God uses to make you. It kind of says what, what we're talking about right here. When God comforts you in a painful experience, which can take time and process, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of help, 
But as he's comforting you in a painful experience, he often gives you the ministry of helping others who, have gone, who are going through this same thing. This is a unique contribution to the world that the church has to offer, that you have to offer. Who can relate to someone who's struggling with alcoholism better than someone who has struggled with alcoholism? Who can relate better to someone who's had a miscarriage than someone who has had miscarriages? God doesn't waste your painful experiences. Now, for us to be able to use, for God to be able to use our painful experiences, we have to get into the place where we're willing to share them with others. And that can take time, but we need to be willing to get there and then willing to walk with people through their pain. People are struggling in their marriages. Some of you have had relatively healthy marriages or have overcome a lot of pain in your marriages. You need, we need marriage mentors. On and on and on. The opportunities here at Community Grace for, for this kind of ministry are, are all over the place, and we hope to identify those and get people plugged in. But the opportunities for the counseling that you may need to get to that point in your life, they're here too, okay? So reach out for those or for the training that you need. Now, how do I become a marriage mentor? I, you know, what do I do? The training is there as well. So I invite you to step into that calling from God and to get what you need to get to that place and then follow him there intentionally and prayerfully. I ask that you'll, you'll do that uh, for God here in this church, through this church. And then number three is a conclusion that wraps it all up. All five-fifths of shape. Here it is right here. What we've been spending weeks getting to is this moment right here. Your ministry for God will be most effective and fulfilling when you are using your gifts and abilities in the area of your heart's desire in a way that best expresses your personality and experiences. Are you there yet? You can get there. That's God's design and his calling, and he gives it all to us in his word. Keep in this every day, hearing from God, growing in, in his knowledge. Put your foot forward. The world has its own definition of success that we need to reject, you know, making money, being comfortable, being, you know, having that security or having power and control and authority and status. Reject those as your most important priority. You know, our, our definition of success as believers in Jesus Christ is this. Success is doing what God made you to do to the best of your ability. Success is getting to the end of life and standing before the judgment seat of Christ, hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. You have been faithful with what I gave you. Success is to become more like Jesus than you were yesterday, fulfilling his mission and ministry according to how he shaped you and worshiping God all the more along the way. That's success, and it's available for all of us. That's how God defines it. So here are some next steps we can take today, right now. First of all, complete that personality and 
experiences assessment. And then over the next two weeks, complete this personal profile. Get it all ready to review with your small group or if you want some, some additional help. I'm happy to meet with anybody to go through here. Look for the key themes that make you who you are and consider the possibilities for what you can do next in the next chapter of your life. That's how this is designed. That's how it ends. All right, number two is, again, surrender your personality and experiences to God. You are who you are, now surrender them to God, not to your own selfish purposes. You see, the body of Christ is filled with two people, two types of people. One, those who have completely surrendered all of yourself to God and his purposes and his plan. And those that just haven't surrendered your whole self to the lordship of Christ yet. Which one are you? Which one will you determine to be as a result of today? Now, that word surrender, once again, the first place of surrender is to give our lives to Jesus, to, to receive his gift of salvation that he earned for us on the cross of Christ and by resurrecting from the dead. Your way of salvation, payment for sins, new life is secure in Christ and his sacrifice. So, surrender yourself to him and trust Christ as your Savior today, or if you want to know more about that, just write that on the communication card as well and drop it in the box on the wall. And we will go forward. Then, there's a couple other things that are coming up. Uh, other ways to take those steps of surrender, of growing in Christ. One is baptism. Once again, our baptism class is next Sunday morning at 9.15. And baptism is one of the greatest things that Jesus gave us to do. If you haven't been baptized, come to the class next Sunday morning. And then, here's another next step. We're into tangible next steps right here. This is a big one. We've been looking forward to this moment. Uh, all right, see Mark over there? Underneath the chairs on that side of the row. So if you're sitting over there, uh, would you grab the stack of papers that's underneath your chair? And maybe Gabby, Lizzie, would you mind helping the, the couple few rows that don't have anyone sitting at the end? Grab those and start them. We're going to pass these down the aisles, or the rows, all the way down. And we have been working on this because there are needs and opportunities in our body, as in any church. It's always, blown, it's always blown my mind how every local church has this perfect mix of people who can do sound, who can do behind the scenes, who can do kids, who can do middle schoolers, who can do upfront stuff or musical things, who can do facilities and building and repair. It just blows my mind, the, the beautiful nature of the church, of Jesus' church. And he puts these things together. And, and then the people who want to be out in the community and, and do trunk or treat and be out there and praying for people in the community, the public that we're going to meet, leading them to Christ, if God allows. We need people all over the place. And this is a spreadsheet that's got uh, pretty much everything, we could, every area we could think of that's, that's available right now. We have great needs or just opportunities so here are the instructions. Write your name on them. Place a check in the areas which you are currently serving. And then mark an X by those in which you would consider serving. Will everyone please just do this today, right now? Go ahead, and if you need a pen, you can find one. Write your name on it. Express what you already are serving in. And then put an X 
on anything that you would consider serving in. And the ministry leader will be in contact with you soon. We're going to do this next week also. And we're not going to have all these needs filled just overnight. It's a journey, and we're on it together. Please just fill those out and then place that in the offering box on the walls at any of the exits. And we will really look forward to processing all that and our ministry leaders looking and talking to you, getting you plugged in, do training. We'll do, like I said, we'll do that again next week if you need more time. But if you can pull, turn that in right now, that would be fantastic. And then last is invite somebody to the Veterans Day weekend, which is not next week. It's in two weeks. Um, I just have a real, a real place in my heart for the military community, uh, personnel, the families, and this is just a natural time to reach that segment of people in our community that uh, are not engaged, engaged in a church right now. So I would love to see a movement out in our neighborhoods. Take that little card. We're, we're bringing in Billy Graham, <laughs> which is funny to say, but uh, we're bringing in our own Billy Graham. He's an amazing man. So, all right, let's, let's pray and give all of this to God. Lord, we thank you for this conclusion of our little mini-series on shape, and we pray for your movement now as people are um, looking at this spreadsheet and praying and considering what our next steps may be. I pray for the conclusion of this series next Sunday, uh, that it will be effective in every way. I pray that you will have our hearts, that we'll fully surrender to you and love being brethren together in this church. We pray these things in Jesus' name.